Hello there, I'm Paul Walker, teaching pastor here at The Meeting Place, and welcome to our podcast. We are a church for everyone in the heart of downtown Winnipeg. This podcast is the place where we broadcast our weekly teaching content and whatever else we find noteworthy to share. I'll have more to say at the end of the podcast, but for now, let's tune into this week's teaching content. It was early in the morning, still dark. The dawn just starting to cut through the fog. The air hung heavy with expectation as if earth itself were holding its breath. The echoes of the cross linger. On Friday, Jesus was betrayed by a kiss. The soldiers led him away in chains. On Friday, Jesus was rejected by his own people. Even his disciples fled and denied him. On Friday, Jesus was put on trial. Pilate washed his hands and condemned the innocent one. On Friday, Jesus was mocked, beaten, and scourged. Our king received his crown of thorns. And on Friday, he was crucified, died, and was buried. The sorrow morning filled our hearts. Yes, the echoes of the cross still linger. The words of the cross linger, condemning perfect love to the grave. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy and all but light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it dawn now approaches on this the third day the spirit filled the lungs of our fallen king his heart began to beat anew the ground began to quake a stone rolled away, a pile of clothes folded in an empty tomb. And on the third, at break of dawn, the sun ahead was again, travel day, where the angels roll for Christ the King. Betrayal and rejection left behind. 
Condemnation and mocking left behind. Though crucified, died, and buried, he lives forevermore. This is the announcement of the empty tomb. This is the words of resurrection that ring out. He is not here, he is risen. And so, on Sunday, Peter and John run with disbelief, longing to replace betrayal with devotion. On Sunday, Mary hears the gardener hear, say her name. Rejection encounters the Savior's embrace. On Sunday, death is swallowed up in victory. Our king is now enthroned. The angels proclaim, do not be afraid. He is not here. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And so today, the announcement of the empty tomb, the words of resurrection ring out. The old has gone and the new has come. Jesus enthroned, forever exalted. Crucified one is victorious over the grave. Death has been trampled by our Savior who is alive. He is not here, he is risen. Church, stand up. We are risen. Let's sing all praise the name of the Lord. to 10 and it says after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men the angel said to the women do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you in Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Then they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always 
to the very end of the age. Hi, my name is Bob. I'm the lead pastor here at the Meeting Place. How are you this morning? He is risen. He is risen this is the thing that we get to celebrate. But before we get there, I want to share some thoughts with you. And the very first thing I have for you is to consider for a moment. Is there a place or are there places in the world that for you have specific deep memories associated with them? Things like places where you picture yourself other than being here, where you think to yourself, boy, if I could just be there. And, and as soon as you think about being in that spot, stuff floods back to you. Like there's memories that come back and you just go, oh, this is such a great place in my memory. I'm so pleased with that. I've discovered as I've thought about this question in my own mind that most of the places, in fact, probably all of the places I can think of for me involve water. So the very first thing is if I were to take you to my favorite place in the world to skip stones, it would be Waterton Lake and Waterton National Park. How many of you have been there? Anyone here has been there? It's amazing. The shores are littered with stones, every one of them suitable to be skipped. It's an amazing thing. In fact, even talking about it now, my arm gets a little sore because the last two times I was there, I skipped so many stones that I started suffering like I was actually in pain. Here's the thing. I suspect that all of us have places, locations, specific places that have memories associated with them. Maybe something as playful as skipping stones, but I suspect there's also places that are actually much more meaningful than that. They carry deep conversations and deep memories in our minds. Here's the thing. Jesus had such a place. As we've studied the book of Matthew now for many weeks, and we've looked at it in all kinds of ways, there's another layer of things that we could look at specifically, and that is where did Jesus spend some time? Like where did he like to spend time when it was up to him? So I just want to share with you a little bit about this, and it starts in Matthew chapter 5. We have this incredible moment in time. In fact, when Paul Walker, our teaching pastor, took the stage that morning, he said, this is the greatest sermon that you will ever hear. This is the Sermon on the Mount. It says this, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he starts that series of comments about blessed are the poor in spirit and so on and so on, helping us to understand the kind of community that he had in mind, the kind of community that he knew could be possible if people would only choose to follow him. It goes on in chapter... 14, this is just after Jesus and his disciples have had this most extraordinary experience of seeing 5,000 people being fed with just a little bit of food that they found amongst the crowd. And so shortly after this, it says this in verse 22 of 14, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. I love that. This is a place that Jesus is drawn to. Mountains have significance in his life. In fact, if you look at the Gospel of Matthew, you will notice this over and over again. And I love this particular text because in verse 25 it says this, shortly before dawn, so Jesus had been praying all night long up on that mountainside, he went out to them walking on the lake. It's like the thing that he would just casually pull off, you know, without even thinking about it. It's almost like he's absent-minded, comes down the mountain and just keeps walking across the water. Of course, what I love about it is it intersects with some of my favorite places that Jesus would leave the mountain to come and join along the shores of a water or of a lake. 
In, verse, in chapter 17, we have another reference to mountain, and this is an incredible story. It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. This is one of those incredible stories, and it illustrates an interesting point that when Jesus finds himself on the mountainside, something very important happens. What happens is there's an intersection between the humanity of Jesus, the fact that he's walking on earth like you and I do, and it intersects with eternal matters. It intersects with the heavenly things. There is this actual moment of connection of perhaps even a joy, like a unification of these two worlds that Jesus walked as a human, but also as the Son of God. And this is why I think he's actually drawn to the mountain, because this is where these kinds of things happen for him. It's an incredible thing. And again, I want to just remind you that as you look through Scripture, you'll find many references where Jesus seeks the mountainside. There's something about it that was incredibly important. And that gets us to the text for today. We've already heard these words, but I want to just remind you of what happened this morning that many years ago that we're celebrating today. It says this, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And then the angel says this to these women. He says, then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. And the women, I mean, their minds are blown. They just came to the tomb. They came here to offer the very last acts of compassion towards Jesus' body. They thought they would come and finish up the burial preparations. And, and that's all that they expected to, to find on that particular morning. But they arrive, and what do they see? The tomb, the stone has been rolled away. The tomb is empty, and there's an angel telling them of what's happened. And they're still trying to comprehend what this means. They're still trying to sort this out, and they're filled with joy. And, of course, they wanted to be in a hurry to go and tell the disciples because this is incredible news and they turn around I can almost see them turn around and be in a hurry to get back to the disciples to tell them about this and they literally bump into Jesus and he says this do not be afraid go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee there they will see me and I'm so encouraged by this because what Jesus is saying here is that he's expecting his followers not to stay in Jerusalem, but rather to go to a place that's familiar to them. To go home, if you want, for some of them. It would be like, like a start over. It'd be like a new conversation. And there's a, curious, a curiousness about how that's going to happen. And then we get to Matthew 28. And it says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, but it includes these words, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now, did you notice in the text that I just read prior to this, Jesus doesn't tell the women that these disciples are to go to the mountain. He just tells them to go to the Galilee. But these disciples 
understands that Jesus is inviting them to a particular place. And here's the interesting part. And we can't prove it because we're not sure exactly where it is that Jesus met the disciples. But here's the thing. He says to the women, tell the disciples I'm going to meet them back in Galilee. And the disciples head over to Galilee and find themselves on the mountainside. It's almost they look at each other and say, like, where do you think we're going to meet up with Jesus? And they're going, ah, we know there is a, there is a place. There is a space. There is a spot where we've had times with Jesus before. And here's the interesting possibility. Is it possible that precisely on this spot in the mountainside is where Jesus delivered that sermon on the mount? This is where he first illustrated to the disciples what this community could look like that he was leading them towards. This is an incredible thought that perhaps this is the same location. And so the disciples get there. And according to the text, it seems to me like they arrive first. They arrive on site, and it says this, when they saw him, so I'm guessing that they're up on the mountainside, they're looking down towards the path, they're seeing Jesus make his way up towards them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. All the humanity of it all. Right, sometimes I think, and perhaps you do too, man, if I'd been there, if I'd been near where Jesus was when he was present, I never would have doubted, I would have trusted him, I would have believed everything he said, there would have been, it would have just been so great to just be with him. But even his followers, some of them are still not quite sure, they're thinking, can this really be true? Is this resurrection something that really happened? Who is this person that's coming up this path? Is this, in fact, the Jesus that we think it is? And others who are so convinced that this is him are able to worship him from the mountainside as they see him coming, going, this is the one. He is truly the Son of God. He has accomplished the thing that he told us he was going to do all along. Then Jesus came to them. And he says these words, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus, my friends, is the sovereign one. Jesus is the ultimate authority. He is the king of kings. He is the one to whom all authority has been entrusted. This has been true in the history of the world only because of the person of Jesus. It's only true of him. And he declares this to his disciples, speaks these powerful words, and then he goes on to say this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. My friends, this is a moment... This is now taking the Sermon on the Mount to another level because in this moment, Jesus is entrusting to his followers the incredible message that he came to bring. This is the message that they are given. These disciples who are regular people like you and I, yes, they were followers of Jesus. Yes, they experienced some of those things along the way. But ultimately, when we look at them, we recognize that as a group of people, we wouldn't necessarily see them as most qualified to take on the task of becoming the ambassadors that Jesus was asking them to be about. And yet on that mountainside, he gives them this mandate. He gives them this particular instruction. And when they left that mountain, they did not return back to their regular lives. No, they embraced a new life, you see, because he has been risen, and they have been risen to a new life, a new opportunity, a new mandate for their lives. And so none of them returned to their regular lives, and in fact became about telling the story of Jesus. 
History tells us that all but one of them ultimately died as martyrs because they took this particular assignment so seriously. And here's the fascinating thing. When they left that mountainside, they didn't have this book that you and I have the benefit of. The Old Testament was found in scrolls in the synagogues. The New Testament hadn't been written yet. The disciples left that mountain, and what they had was the message of Jesus, which was that he came, sent by his Father, that he lived this incredible life, that he went to the cross and died for the sins of the people, that he then rose from the dead and is preparing a place in eternity for all of his followers. That's the message they had, and that's the message they brought into the world. And if you want to see if they were successful, look at the book of Acts. And what happens is you see these disciples who suddenly embrace a new kind of authority. They speak with a kind of conviction because of what they heard Jesus say on the mountainside. It's an incredible story, and here's the truth of it. The most compelling evidence that they were about it is the meeting place. You understand that the generations past have been faithful in telling the story of Jesus that causes you and I to be here today. There's a direct link all the way back to the disciples because they told the story and they wouldn't relent until they told the story and people heard it and made a commitment to Jesus. And here we are, you and I, here today in this important place. Here's the interesting thing. Sort of mid-pandemic, as we're anticipating what the church would look like after some of the restrictions would be lifted and, and, and all kinds of things, we knew that this was going to be a reset. And you know what, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't get past the idea, the thought that this was a time for us to return to the actual basic mandate of the church. And so I found myself drawn to the text in Matthew 28 but also a text in Matthew 22, and let me show this to you because this has given us the words for our current vision statement. In Matthew 28, which we now call the Great Commission, in verse 19 it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. We use the powerful word of share in our vision statement to capture that. Also in verse 19 it says, Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We understand that people who are baptized as they declare that they want to follow Jesus, in their baptism they join a body. They join a community of faith. And one of the functions of this community of faith is for us to gather. And so we use the word gather. And teaching them to obey, this is the practice of discipleship, we use the word follow. Then in Matthew 22, which we're not looking at today, a great commandment, more words of Jesus that he spoke. We have the two other words. We have love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, which leads us to worship and love your neighbor as yourself, which is serve. And ultimately, you put that all together. Here is our TMP vision statement. At TMP, we follow Jesus and share his story. Gather in our place in your server needed to worship him in all we do. This is the call that has been placed upon this faith community. You see, the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples on that particular day were spoken to them for us to read about and to be reminded that this is still our mandate. This place, this place has been a place of significance. Some of you have stood here and you've sung along on a Sunday morning and while you were singing, you suddenly came to the awareness that you were a follower of Jesus. Some of you came forward to have prayer and, and you, were, you, were, you were healed of some things or perhaps you wanted to become part of this community and you became a follower of Jesus. Some of you have been baptized here in this very tank on this stage. Some of you have dedicated your children here. Some of you 
have found friendships here, community. It's an incredible thing. This, my friends, is a place of significance. And here is the truth that you and I can embrace as an opportunity. That the single greatest way for us to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus is for us to embrace the mandate that he's given to us. And that as a faith community, it would be our responsibility to invite even more people so that this place becomes significant, significant to them in their relationship with Jesus, that they would find their way to him because he is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. Because he is risen, we are risen. We are risen away from an ordinary life into an extraordinary existence with him. Church, do you want to be about this? Come and join us as we try to reach the world that needs to know about this resurrected Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you would like to take a next step and plug into our community or contribute to the work of The Meeting Place, we would love to hear from you. You can check us out at themeetingplace.mb.ca. Take care and God bless.